morning. Hi, my name's Amanda, and we're here with. And we're gonna. Get I'm the, Stan. We're gonna get the service started here this morning. If this is your first time here, a special welcome to you. We'd love to get to know you better, <clears throat> and you can help us by giving us a shout at hello Cedar Valley, hello at cedarvalley.ca, commenting online if you're joining us online, or here on campus finding someone in the lobby wearing the lanyard. Nice. And the best way to stay informed about our ongoing community events um, is to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you're not on those social media platforms, you can also um, sign up for the newsletter at cedarvalley.ca. A newsletter comes out every Friday. Giving. We're so thankful for your ongoing support for the work and ministry at Cedar Valley through your time, prayers, service, and financial generosity. Yes, generosity is a core value here at Cedar Valley, and we believe that financially supporting the church is an act of worship. Um, and it all goes to help make what we do here possible with our ministries and programs. If you've come prepared to give this morning, you can do so online at cedarvalley.ca slash give. Or if you're on campus, there are tables at the back and uh, also a debit machine. Yes. Thank you, Stan. Now we have some really exciting announcements this morning, some really awesome things coming up. We're planning to attend Camp Squee again this year. Who likes going to camp? Yes. I'm so excited. It's a highlight for us and the kids. So this, this year, May 13 through 15, uh, we're going to be doing um, church camp at Camp Squia. So you can register online or after church, you can go to the lobby there at the desk and um, register. So would you agree we've got a pretty awesome God? I would agree. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. He created everything, including us. He knows our thoughts and our hearts, as well as our needs and desires. Our Heavenly Father not only cares for us, but also cares about us. Like our earthly fathers, He wants to give us good things, and as our Heavenly Father, He is capable of giving us so much more than we can even imagine. <clears throat> it is interesting to see how God works in people's lives and when two people have dedicated most of their lives in his service, express a need or desire, God can do the incredible. It's a great honor and brings me much joy to announce the engagement of John Siemens to Margaret Dobson. Congratulations. I love hearing news like that. That's so wonderful. Praise God. I would encourage I would encourage everybody to congratulate find them after the service and congratulate them. If they're not too forthcoming with details, come talk to me after. <laughs> You've got the inside scoop? Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. That's wonderful news. Okay, one more announcement. Um Authentic Living is starting this Tuesday. Um, it's kind of a follow-up to Freedom Session. We've just finished Freedom Session last Tuesday. It was a wonderful 20-week program. Um, everybody involved just grew so much, and we grew so much together. 
But authentic living is is a follow-up to that, but it's not connected to it directly. So if if authentic living is something that you'd be interested in, it's an eight-week course. We're meeting on Tuesday nights again, 7 to 9 p.m. Um, all you have to do is just show up on Tuesday, and uh, we'll get you a book and whatnot. But basically, um, putting together kind of a condensed version of some of the skills we've learned during Freedom Session, but also learning how to um, deepen our relationship with God, how to um, hear from Him in the Bible, speak to us directly, and also work on some conflict management and creating boundaries and replacing our character defects with Christ character. Those are some of the main highlights of what we'll be doing in Authentic Living, and I welcome each and every one of you to join us. We're going to get the service started here shortly, being led in a time of worship singing with some music. There will be lyrics on the screen, and we invite you to join in however you feel comfortable, whether that's sitting in place or standing or even dancing. <laughs> okay, and then after that, we're going to have a video lesson just for the kids. Um, and if you are joining online, um, there's a whole uh, kids feature, so check that out. Um, and there's a guide for parents to kind of walk through that with your kids. But if you are joining us here on campus, we do have... Uh, a special service just for you kids, and we'll be sending you off to join your teacher right after um, the little lesson here. So parents, just make sure that your kids are checked in, um, they've got their sticker on, and if you need help with that, just check with somebody in the lobby with a lanyard. And after that, this morning, we'll be going through an interactive message and devotional in the book of Galatians uh, that we've been studying for a couple months now. And this morning we're going to have a little recap and application to see how these messages of encouragement, challenge, and truth are impacting our lives and faith. Yeah, a great series. All right, let's just have a quick word of prayer before we start. Dear Lord Jesus, we welcome you here, your presence with us. We thank you that you care about us and that we have the freedom to meet together and hear from you and connect with each other. Will you um, anoint this um, teaching with your Holy Spirit that you would open up each heart and mind and that you would be with Grant as he presents the message and that your spirit would be moving amongst us today. Thank you again for all your goodness to us. Amen.
of my heart Leave the shadow where I hide The ransom for my life Oh, he is my song You are good, good Oh, you are good, good Oh, and you are good, good Oh, and you are good, good Oh, let the King of my heart Be the wind inside my sails
Thanks for joining us in worship this morning uh, all together. Uh, it is time for kids to head to the back corner. If you want to head down, we have a service designed just for you. Worship, prayer, fun games, a Bible story. So that's just going to be over in the back corner. And if you aren't signed in yet, just make sure you have a name tag. Parents, if you need help with that, you can find someone wearing a lanyard. We'll get you there. And for everyone joining us online, there we're going to be playing a kid's video. It's a bit of a teaser of what we're going to be talking about downstairs. And you can actually find the full-length feature kind of interactive materials on our YouTube page. So really fun. And after that, with the message, there is a activity sheet, or, well, kind of activity sheet uh, for the adults. So, you know, it's not coloring, but... Uh, you know, that'd be fun. It is printed in color. But yeah, grab one of these. They're just out front. Or if you have your phone, it's available online on our website too or on the uh, descriptions, I think, for the YouTube and Facebook page if you're joining us online. So yeah, we're going to do that. But kids video. guys. Hey, I'm an artist, Kellen. Oh, are you? How are you today, Kellen? I'm doing great. And you know who else is doing great? Who? The so-and-so show players. <laughs> They're going to be helping us out with today's story. And you can read this story for yourself in the book of John. So let's get to it. Jesus had many friends. And one of his close friends was named Lazarus. Lazarus, he had two sisters who were also friends with Jesus, Mary and Martha. One day though, Lazarus got really sick. <laughs> Mary, where are you? Yes, my brother, I am here. <laughs> I feel, <laughs> I feel. Yes, brother? Sick. Hmm, I know. Me and Martha will write a letter to Jesus. He'll know what to do. So Mary and Martha had a message oh. sent to Jesus. Ow. Okay, excuse me, you silly billies. Uh, I got a letter here for uh, Jesus. Ah, that's me. Oh, you have a letter from Bethany. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't know no Bethany. No, it's the, it's the town, Bethany. No, it's from uh, Mary. Oh. And uh, Ma uh, Martha. Martha. Okay. Martha, Martha, that's from her. Thank you. You're welcome. What does it say, my lord? Oh, our friend Lazarus is sick. But this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. Even though his friend was sick, Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. Until, finally, Jesus said... Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I must go and wake him up. Boy, you sure that's a good idea? Because I mean, look, when I'm sick, I love to sleep. Like, I love to sleep. So maybe he just needs to sleep so that he'll feel better. Problem solved. There we go, we ain't gotta go nowhere. Lazarus is dead. What, what, come again, what? Lazarus is dead. He's Dead. Like forever. And for your benefit, I'm glad I wasn't there. But now, you will believe. Come with me. 
When Jesus arrived, he found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many had come to comfort Mary and Martha. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. My Rich. Lord, it is I, Martha. Oh, I, I wish you would come sooner. Maybe my brother would not have, would not have. Have what? Died. But, but I know that even now, God will grant you anything you ask for. Your brother will rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even if they die. Do you believe this? Yes. My Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah and the Son of God. I'll go get Mary. It is I, Mary. <laughs> Jesus just said. I gotta write this down. Jesus wept. Where'd they put him? Come and see. Jesus came to the tomb where they had placed Lazarus. It was a cave with a stone in front of the entrance and a crowd gathered around outside. Right over here. Wait a minute. Are you Mary or Martha? Martha. Take away the stone. Um, but Lord, it's gonna smell really bad. Lazarus has been in there for four days. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see God's glory? Father, I thank you for hearing me. I say this so that the people here will believe that you sent me. Lazarus, come out. Oh. <laughs> He's a mummy. Oh. It is me, Lazarus. I'm alive. Where's Mary? Shouldn't she be here too? Just a moment. <laughs> You're alive. I'm alive. Yay! Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. There were many people there who saw what Jesus did and they believed in him. The end. That's amazing. Wow. Jesus really raised Lazarus from the dead, just like that. Yep. He is that powerful. That's so cool. And to think that we can have a relationship with him today. Mm -hmm. Pretty amazing, huh? Yeah. We can put our hopes in Jesus because he is so powerful. Powerful enough to make something good come out of something bad. Just like Kintsugi. Oh, oh Kintsugi. Sure. Well, hey, thanks for the story, Kelly. You're welcome. I'll see you guys.
Hawaii Cedar Valley. This morning is going to look a little bit different up here. Right now I am downstairs leading the kids program in some super fun games and worship and prayer and a Bible story. It's a whole service designed just for them to speak into their lives and engage with them at their level. High energy, biblical truths, exciting stuff just for kids, right? And as we've been saying for some time up here, the youngest in our community are a top priority to pour into and teach the Bible to. See, we're convinced both through Jesus' example of caring for and focusing on children, as well as God's continual biblical narrative of empowering and working through children, Old Testament, New Testament, everything in between, that our kids' ministries cannot just be an afterthought, but actually must be just as important as what happens up here in the adult service. In fact, maybe even a bigger focal priority. Here's a, a story from the Bible for you that will help understand this and why we're so passionate about this. In the Old Testament of the Bible, in a book called Exodus, there is the recorded account of God freeing the Israelite people from slavery in Egypt. God works through a man named Moses to speak with Pharaoh and to lead the Israelite people out of Egypt. And this happened after a series of plagues and miracles and God's intervention in all of that. So during Moses' first negotiations with Pharaoh, there was some bartering that went on. Pharaoh at one point offered to Moses to, he, you can leave, but with just the adult men of Israel, but to leave behind the women and children. And Moses said, no chance, not at all. So Pharaoh even came back at him and said, okay, what about you can leave with all the adults, the men, the women, married, unmarried, whatever it is, uh, but leave the children. We'll take care of them, right? He wanted a generation of slaves. And you can have your freedom, right? But leave the kids. And Moses rejected that outright as well. Because here's the, the biblical story truth there and what we need to hear too. The youngest in our community are not up for negotiation. It's not a balance of 50-50 and as long as we get what we need or whatnot. In fact, Jesus' example in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 18, Mark chapter 9, we get this sense that we actually go further on to say that the young, youngest of our community actually require and deserve a special level of attention and care and priority and protection. The moment you abandon children and women in your community, you stamp an expiration date on yourself and it will collapse. So here's the thing, as we figure out how to sustain a healthy and thriving kids ministry at Cedar Valley Church, there's gonna be some give and take of what might have felt normal from the past and how things are and what an adult service looks like versus a kid's service. Uh, the biggest thing being we're pouring into our kids and that is gonna require participation from everyone here who believes in this church community. So let me tell you about this morning and what's gonna go on, what's gonna be a little bit different. Start off with a bit of an overview. We have been going through a study in the book of Galatians, a letter in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to followers of Jesus in ancient Galatia. This is the Eastern Mediterranean area, modern day Turkey. Paul was a missionary originally who planted churches in this area, going around preaching the gospel. And now years later, he's writing back to these churches, to these Christians to encourage them teach them and correct some beliefs and practices and behaviors that they had been picking up. And especially what they were doing is taking the good news of Jesus, the gospel message that Paul spoke to them initially that said, give your life to follow Jesus, 
believe in his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, what we're going to be celebrating in Easter in a couple weeks, and accept his forgiveness for your sins so you can have an eternal relationship with God. It's God following through on his promise. And this is for here and forever. So they were taking that amazing message that they believed in and were inspired by, and they were adding some extra stuff to it. They were adding extra rules and practices from their previous understanding of religion as well. And they started treating their communities like a class system where people who did more of these religious-y things were better Christians than others. There was like the true believers who believed in Jesus and followed all the laws and the practices and the history of Judaism and other religion, uh, religious beliefs at the time that they had grown up with. And then there was these new believers. The Bible refers to them as the Gentiles. They created a separation. There was a cool kids table and the others. So Paul comes in saying, not only is that judgment not for you to decide, but you've missed the whole point of actually this gospel message. See, Paul himself grew up as a Jewish academic scholar, a passionate religious advocate for all of that stuff. He knew it, he believed it in the past. And then instead, Paul now is sharing the revelation and the words that he received from God Everything that we knew from the past, the stories, the laws, the genealogies, the practices, the histories from the kings, um, they guided us, but everything was pointing towards Jesus. It's not that that stuff was bad, but it was pointing towards something. It was pointing towards the work and ministry and the sacrifice and death and resurrection of Jesus and that he was coming to be the ultimate fulfillment of our faith, the final sacrifice and the real connection point to have this eternal relationship with God. Jesus plus nothing else is the focus, and that's the gospel message. So that's a general overview. We're just over halfway through this book now. We're going to likely take a break at some point here before we finish this whole study in Galatians. But right now, we're in Galatians chapter 3, verse 15. Paul starts off by saying something. I love it. He says, let me use an everyday example. Now, Paul goes on to use this everyday example, which is more applicable to the Middle Eastern culture 2,000 years ago. Hard to relate to now. We're actually not going to study that today. But the concept of using everyday examples to teach and learn is not something just unique or whatever old school to Paul. But it's actually something we depend on to properly understand big and small ideas. So I actually have for you an everyday example of me being taught by an everyday example. It was so great. Years ago, I went on a tour to the UBC Triumph Particle Accelerator Facility in Vancouver. Mouthful, super cool thing. You might have not even known it existed. Let me tell you, this is real science. It's so cool. Like Science World is great. I love that place. But this is like Star Wars level, sci-fi, futuristic, crazy stuff. They take you on a guided tour explaining particle physics the whole way through and the machinery and what's going on. And, you know, after a little while of hearing words and stuff from the scientists like isotopes and particle stability, gamma, radiation and electrons, it's super easy to get lost. And so the guide uses this example to help us understand uh, an isotope, right? A very key part to this whole area of science and how a particle becomes an unstable atom. So he says, imagine you're at an all-you-can-eat sushi restaurant. Right now we can start relating already. He says, you are an atom and there's a bunch of California rolls and they're neutrons and they're delicious, right? So you can keep on eating them. It's really good. But if you eat too many, you're going to get sick and barf. And now 
I understand particle physics, or at least that little piece perfectly, right? You get it, unstable, you're too full, too many neutrons, the unstable isotope. Because see, here's the thing. All this head knowledge that we can gain and memorize and read and write about, it doesn't mean much if we don't truly understand it to the way that we can actually live it out. We've spent 10 Sundays diving into this study on Galatians. Hopefully you've learned something, but I wonder how much of it we feel like we can actually live out in our everyday life with everyday examples and explain to each other with everyday stuff, right? Because that is what is essential to our life's being changed. It's not knowing stuff, but actually feeling and living things out, being able to fully share our faith and reflect God's love with others by living that out. Not just what we know, but how we are, I guess, is a way you could say it. So here's where you come in this morning. Here's where we're gonna do something a bit different, but your involvement is gonna be important. Uh, you should have a worksheet with you. Uh, at the front door, you could have grabbed it coming in or there's still a bunch more printed out. You can get it online. Uh, it's in the video descriptions on Facebook or YouTube. It's not a fill in the blank or anything like that, but it is a guide with some review of what we've studied so far in this study on Galatians and a few questions to help us apply all of this head knowledge into our hearts and our hands and into our everyday lives. That's my goal and dream for this morning. Just after this uh, video here, there's gonna be another video from a ministry organization called The Bible Project. They make YouTube animations that give us insight and overview into biblical ideas and on the individual documents and books and letters of the Bible. So this is a video overview of Galatians. That it will remind us of some of the passages we've covered so far. That's going to be in the worksheet too. And what is still to come in Galatians too. So some spoilers, it's all good though. Just the overall ideas. And during that video or after it, feel free to move chairs around. You can make some groups or you can work solo. You can work in whatever you want to do. This is going to be a bit of an easygoing kind of Bible study Sunday like we did a couple months back. Uh, take some time to discuss with each other and reflect on your own about how you have applied anything you've learned from this study, Jesus plus nothing. And we can collectively brainstorm and share our experiences and wisdom. If you're joining us online, use the chat on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, and after that Bible Project video, there's gonna be an extended time, some music in the background just to kind of fill the space a bit. And again, you can do this solo or however you want, just even spend the time in prayer. There's gonna be some questions on the screen so take, even just take this opportunity to grab a coffee from the lobby and connect with somebody you don't know at this church, you know, spend a few minutes just sharing who you are and get to know each other, uh, or even just simply spend some time in prayer and reflection. And at around 11 o'clock, we'll end with some prayer. The kids program will be heading back upstairs and uh, then we'll go on for the rest of the week. So thank you, Cedar Valley, for actively participating and growing with each other this morning. Let's have a fantastic time. The Bible Project video is gonna be coming up in just a moment. Grab a worksheet if you don't have one yet or head online to find that. And let's just dive into the work together, collectively discern and share our experiences. Paul's letter to the Galatians 
It was written to a number of churches in the region of Galatia, where Paul had traveled on one of his missionary journeys. You can read the story in the book of Acts. He wrote this important letter from a place of deep passion and frustration. Here's the backstory. Christianity began as a Jewish messianic movement in Jerusalem, but its message was for all humanity, and so it quickly spread beyond Israel. By Paul's time as a missionary, there were as many non-Jews as there were Jewish people in the Jesus movement, and this sparked a huge debate that we know about from the book of Acts chapter 15. Historically, the covenant people of God were focused in one ethnic group, Israel, and they were set apart by the practices commanded in the Torah, like circumcision of males, eating kosher, observing the Sabbath. And there were many Jewish Christians who believed that for all of these non-Jews to truly become a part of God's family, they needed to obey the laws of the Torah. And so some of these Jewish Christians ended up coming to the Galatian churches. They were undermining Paul and demanding circumcision of all these male non-Jewish Christians. And so many of them were. And when Paul found out, he was brokenhearted and angry. And this letter is the result. He first challenges the Galatians with his summary of the gospel message about the crucified Messiah. He then argues that this gospel is what creates the new multi-ethnic family of Jesus and Abraham. And then he shows how this gospel is what truly transforms people by the presence and power of the Spirit. He opens by expressing his bewilderment that the Galatians have embraced a different gospel. It's the one promoted by these Christians who badmouth Paul and demand circumcision. So Paul first defends the authenticity of his message and authority as an apostle. He was commissioned by the risen Jesus himself to go to the non-Jewish world. Remember the story from the book of Acts. Paul says it was only later that he went to Jerusalem to consult the other apostles like Peter or James. And when he told them he wasn't requiring non-Jewish Christians to be circumcised or eat kosher, they were in full support. But this tension ran deeper. Peter had come to Antioch to visit and see all of these non-Jewish Christians, and he was eating and mingling with them. But when some of this Jerusalem opposition group showed up in Antioch, Peter caved under their pressure. He stopped eating with these uncircumcised Christians, and he was avoiding them. And so Paul confronted and accused Peter of hypocrisy, of not staying true to the gospel. For Paul, demanding these new Christians to become circumcised and Torah observant, it's wrong-headed for all kinds of reasons. First of all, because it's a betrayal of the gospel. Or in his words, people are not justified by the works of the Torah, but rather by the faith of Jesus the Messiah. And we have faith in the Messiah Jesus. To be justified, or literally to be declared righteous, it's a rich Old Testament term for Paul. It's when God declares that someone is in a right relationship with him. They're forgiven, they're given a place in God's family, and they are being transformed by God's grace. And it's Paul's conviction that no one can be justified by observing the commands of the Torah, but only by the faith of Jesus. This is a dense phrase, and it could refer to Jesus' own faithfulness in living and dying on our behalf, or it could refer to our own trust and devotion to Jesus. Either way, the point is clear. People are justified only through trusting in what God did for them through Jesus, not by what they do for themselves. At the heart of Paul's gospel is this claim, that when people trust in the Messiah Jesus, what's true of him becomes true of them. His life, death, and resurrection become theirs. Or in his words, I've been crucified with the Messiah, and it's not I who come back to life, it's the Messiah living in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
And so the reason anyone can say that they are right with God or belong to Jesus' covenant family, it's not because they obeyed the laws of the Torah. It's only because of what Jesus did for them that they could never do for themselves. Now, this profound understanding of what Jesus accomplished, it has huge implications for who can now be included in God's covenant family and for what it means to live as a member of that family. So Paul first turns to the stories about Abraham in Genesis, how he was justified or declared righteous before God by simply having faith, by trusting in God's promise that one day all nations would find God's blessing through him and his offspring. God's purpose was always to have one large multi-ethnic family of people who relate to him on the basis of faith, not on the laws of the Torah. But that raises an important question. Why did God give the laws of the Torah to Israel then? Here Paul offers a very brief and dense explanation that he will later fill out in his letter to the Romans. He observes that the laws of the Torah were given to Israel at Mount Sinai long after God's promise to Abraham. And if you read the Torah carefully, he says, you'll see that God always intended the laws to be a temporary measure. He says the laws had both a negative and a positive role. Negatively, the laws acted like a magnifying glass on Israel's sin. They exposed how Israel shared in the sinful human condition, constantly rebelling against God's law. And so the law, which is good, ended up pronouncing Israel guilty and all humanity with them. Or in his words, the laws imprisoned everyone under the power of sin. But the laws also had a positive role. They acted like a strict school teacher that kept Israel in line until the coming of the promised offspring of Abraham, the Messiah. And once the Messiah came, he fulfilled the purpose of the laws on Israel's behalf. Jesus was the faithful Israelite who truly loved God and neighbor. And as Israel's king, he died to take the curse and consequence of Israel's failure into himself and bring redemption. And so now through Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, God's blessing can come to all people, regardless of their ethnicity, social status, or gender. For Paul, requiring Torah observance from non-Jewish Christians, it makes no sense. It's acting as if Jesus didn't fulfill God's promise or deal with our sins. It neglects the new freedom gained for us through Jesus and the gift of the Spirit, and it limits God's promise and blessing to one ethnic family. But, Paul's opponents might argue, the laws of the Torah, they're a proven guide to living according to God's will. How will non-Jewish Christians learn this? Paul responds in chapters 5 and 6 by describing how Jesus' transforming presence through the Spirit is the key. The laws of the Torah are good. They're wise, Paul says. In fact, they can all be summarized, as Jesus did, in the command to love your neighbor as yourself. But the laws, good as they are, they did not give Israel the power to obey them. In contrast, the good news is that Jesus did fulfill the laws on our behalf, and now he lives in us through the Spirit, making his people into new humans who fulfill the law by loving others. So Paul goes on to contrast this old and new humanity. The habits of the old humanity are obvious. These are behaviors that dehumanize people, they destroy relationships and whole communities. And while the laws of the Torah prohibited these behaviors, Jesus actually put them to death on the cross. So when a person trusts in Jesus and lives in dependence on the Spirit, his life becomes theirs and produces what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. This is Jesus' way of life that he wants to reproduce in his family so that they become people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
But this fruit isn't automatic, Paul says. It requires cultivation, just like real fruit. Or in his words, if we live by the Spirit, we have to keep in step with the Spirit. This requires intentionality. We have to learn how to prune off our old habits and cultivate new ones. And as we do so, we find ourselves carried along by the Spirit. As Jesus reshapes our minds and hearts and makes us into people who love God and others. And in this way, Jesus' people fulfill what Paul calls the Torah of the Messiah. In the end, Paul concludes, this requirement for Christians to become Torah observant or be circumcised, it's an adventure in missing the point. What really matters is God's new creation, this new multi-ethnic family of the Messiah, people full of faith in Jesus who are learning to love God and others in the power of the Spirit. And that's what the letter to the Galatians is all about. So um, this, is, uh, this is kind of our time to engage in, in what Grant has kind of introduced to us and engage in scripture with one another. Um, it's time to interact with one another. So if you have someone close to you, that's just would be good to go over some of the questions that are going to be either on your worksheet or on the, on the screen. Yeah, I encourage you to do that. Turn around with, uh, with someone here and just really dive into this stuff. Talk to somebody about it. It's about asking questions about scripture, maybe things that we don't understand. There's a lot of informa um, information in 10 minutes, eh? So much to learn. So uh, yeah, I just encourage you guys to ask one another questions. Really dive into what, how living and unbelievably relative scripture is and what we can learn from it. So yeah, just encourage you to turn around. If you don't know somebody, that's probably the person you should be talking to. It might be a good way to learn somebody's name or uh, learn something about them. So please, let's, uh, we've got about 10 minutes before 11 o'clock before the kids are back up. So please do that. Good morning, everyone. Um, everyone's having such fantastic discussions and you are absolutely more than welcome to continue um, in your groups with each other, if you message each other online, if you talk to each other during the week, um, that's all really fantastic. That's what the purpose of this is. So I'm actually, it's after 11, so I'm just going to close off the service. However, you're welcome to stay and chat, you know, and continue this discussion, as I say. And um, it's just a really great way of connecting um, each other in the congregation through scripture. So this is a really neat opportunity, and we'll probably do this again another time as well. Um, and just as Grant pointed out earlier in his video segment, that you know, using everyday examples is really key. It's what Jesus did. It's what um, scriptures do quite often. It's key to every facet of education in school. You know, the lessons you remember are the ones that had examples. So, you know, even as you think of more examples, feel free to share those with each other as well. So I'm just going to close off with a word of prayer, but, um, you know, stay in chat. And if you want to talk with any of, uh, any of us on the leadership team or Pastor Grant once he gets back with the kids. Um, but if you just want to bow with me and I'll close us off in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this gift that you've given us of um, God's word 
written down by Paul, and and so many parts of the scripture are just as we've discussed in our group. There's just so much to it. It's it can be studied for years. Um, it can be understood on so many levels, and there's just so much there that can always be learned. Uh, thank you for giving us this church, this congregation, this chance to learn from each other and learn from you, Lord God. And we just pray that your blessing would be over these people, your blessing with those who are watching this online and um, doing the study for themselves, and just keep us open to reaching out to each other and chiefly to you, Lord God. It's Jesus and nothing else that we need. So just thank you that this is enough and it's just a wonderful blessing you've given us. Be with everyone as we go and just grant us a great week and give us, give us ways of continuing to reach out. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Thank you. <laughs>